My name is Alison Hilliard and I'm one of the presenters for Things on Scene. It's now just after two o'clock in the morning and everybody else in my house is still asleep. I'm trying to be quite quiet so as not to disturb them. I'm just about to do something I've never done before and that's not to drink or to eat anything along with millions of Muslims in Britain and around the world during the Ramadan fast. I'll be trying to record how I get on today. I know that many Muslims say it's a time of blessing, a time to focus on the soul rather than the body. But I'm curious to see if that's the case for me. If I'm really honest, I'm a bit nervous about the day. But you know, the one thing I am looking forward to is something I really value about Islam. And that's the requirement to pray five times a day and making the time during this day to do my own reflection. But now I think I'm going to go and put the kettle on, make a cup of tea, and try not to wake anyone up. My name is Mark Dowd. I've been a presenter for Things Unseen for a couple of years. Today I'm going to attempt the Ramadan fast for 19 hours or so. As a Christian, I've always felt it's fairly pathetic what Christians do in Lent. Like lots of Christians, I've given up chocolate and I've given up alcohol. There's something so radical and so challenging about the Ramadan fast, which I've looked in awe I think unless you put yourself through this, you've actually no idea what it's like. I know that it's meant to actually bring about spiritual awareness and be something very religious, not just physical. What I'm going to be doing is documenting my experiences every few hours. You know, it's going to be, I think, a real roller coaster. I think there'll be times of exhilaration and insight, and there'll be times when I think, why have I even attempted to do this? But that's the whole point of this exercise. Fingers crossed. I'm Ramona Ali. And I'm a presenter for Things Unseen too. But unlike Alison and Mark, this isn't my first Ramadan. In fact, I've been fasting in Ramadan for over 20 years, so you could call me a bit of a veteran. Every year, I join over a billion Muslims around the world in the Ramadan fast. And that means nil by mouth from dawn till sundown. It may sound bizarre, but I always look forward to it. The spirit of solidarity I feel with my fellow fasters is very special. Ramadan gives me an opportunity to be mindful of others and draw closer to God. Now, I've been fasting since I was a teenager, so I'm a little worried for Mark and Alison, but I'll be by their side throughout the day to answer their questions, try to soothe any hunger pangs and share in their first Ramadan experience. It's just gone uh, 10 past 2 in the morning. This is what's called the sahur, it's called the pre-dawn meal. <laughs> uh, I must admit, I'm not used to being up in the dark at this time, pouring up breakfast cereal. To be honest, I don't really feel like eating this, but I just know this is the only thing I'm going to have for the next 19 hours or so. I'm staying with some friends down in Sussex, and the thing is they're all in bed, and they know that I'm doing this, so they've set aside this uh, cereal for me. So um, better get eating. So I've now had as much as I can have to eat. I've had a large bowl of cereal, some bread, a banana, some walnuts and two or three glasses of water. And I'm just about to crawl back to bed to see if I can get a few hours sleep. Before I do that, I'm going to recite the fasting prayer in English to begin my Ramadan fast. I intend to keep the fast today in the month of Ramadan. And let's see how I get on. 
It's just coming up to 2.42 when the morning prayer begins. So this is it. I intend to keep the fast today in the month of Ramadan. And I say to God, please use this as an opportunity to develop a greater awareness of you, of people who don't have food and water in this world. Do with these next 19 hours what you will with me, and I will try and be as sensitive as I can to what's going on inside me, and to be attentive and to listen. It's coming up to midday now, and almost lunchtime. I'm just waiting for a friend to arrive for lunch, or in my case, no lunch. I've been planning this lunch for months, really. It's with one of my oldest friends who lives in China, and maybe I only see them once every five years, so I don't quite know what they're going to make of it. I'm not too bad, actually. I'm not too hungry, but I am very thirsty. It's also one of the hottest days of the year in London, and I am a bit light-headed, a bit sort of spaced out, not quite engaging with everything going on around me. As you can probably hear, it's on a very busy street. I didn't get much sleep last night after waking up to eat. It will certainly make me a lot more sensitive to those who are fasting for Ramadan from now on. Platform one for the 1217 Southern service to London, Victoria. I'm shortly going to be getting on the train up to London to meet Ramona. I've got two or three questions I'm really keen to explore with her. First of all, is there a danger that Ramadan becomes like a test of your physical endurance? It becomes such a physical battle that the whole spiritual element just gets relegated to one side. And the question of the danger of pride. I've occasionally met Muslims who I think almost have developed a superiority complex that this fast is so demanding and so severe that they think perhaps it puts them on a higher level to other religions and other believers. Is there a danger of that pride? So that's what I want to be exploring with Ramona later on. It's about um, just over 12 and a half hours since I've drunk any water or eaten anything. And I have to say, I'm just beginning to start to flag a bit. <laughs> I've got a, a bicycle ride now of three or four miles. Normally, I'm a really keen cyclist, but I have to say, at the moment, I don't really feel like uh, heading across London because I'm feeling a bit weary. But that's all par for the course. Let's hope I get to the destination. It's mid-afternoon and Mark and Alison have been fasting for over 12 hours and they're with me right now to tell me all about how their day is going so far. Alison, Mark, Ramadan Mubarak. Ramadan Mubarak. And the same to you. How is the fast going, Alison? Not too bad. I actually don't feel very hungry. That doesn't surprise me. I would quite often go for this length without eating food, not as a fast, but just because I get too busy doing something. But I have got a whopping headache. Yeah, we like to give you a challenge. And Mark, how are you feeling? I can identify with Alison's headache. I've got a milder one, I think. It's it's one I've noticed in the past when I've uh, to go long periods without eating and drinking. I'm slightly worried how I'm going to be feeling by nine o'clock this evening because... I might get a bit tetchy, so I hope these questions are going to be really nice. <laughs> That's just a warning. <laughs> and are there any particular daily rituals that you're missing out on, like your cup of coffee or an elevensies? I was staying overnight with friends, and what was really noticeable was the fact that um, if I'd been staying with a Muslim family or amongst Muslim friends, we'd have all have been in the same boat together. Therefore, I felt supported, but I felt really isolated in this house. They were fairly bloody-minded about it. They weren't going to adjust their lifestyle for me. So they were happily sipping coffee in front of me and um, 
interestingly, when I um, departed from my friend at the train station, as the train pulled out, he got this banana out and presented it as it sailed away up the platform. <laughs> I suppose I had better luck because I met a friend for lunch and um, I don't think he quite knew what to make of it. But actually, he was quite considerate. He, he did have something to drink, but he didn't have anything to eat. And I think that solidarity is one of the key things. And one of the key differences, certainly from the Christian point of view, Fasting seems to be done very much as a private expression. You know, you're not meant to tell people that you're doing it. We lived in Ethiopia for a long time, and they have more fasting in Ethiopian than any other Christian tradition. They fast 250 days in the year. And yet you would never know whether somebody was fasting or not because it was seen to be as much of a sin to show off the fact you were fasting as it was to not do a fast at all. So I'm just interested in that sort of public-private aspect of, of Ramadan. Mm, 250 days gone. Muslims have got it easy then. <laughs> we only have 30. That is incredible. I feel like it, it is a private thing as well as a very communal thing. So I do feel that sense of solidarity with all the other Muslims around the world. You feel like you have this strength to get through Ramadan because everybody's in it together. But also it's time for that personal reflection. So I've got my time kind of alone with God as well as like communal time with God when everyone's praying together in the mosque for the night prayers. So it's a beautiful marriage of the, the private and the public. Mark, have you ever fasted before? We're very close to a little environmental charity I used to work for called Operation Noah. And I was so impressed by the Ramadan efforts of so many of the Muslims I met on my travels that for one Lent there, the six-week period, I didn't do a Ramadan, but I fasted from seven till seven and I found myself in this ridiculous situation at quarter to seven, shoveling great big spoonfuls of porridge down my mouth. And when the pips came on for the news at seven, it was like, you have to stop. And sometimes there was uneaten porridge. But I think Lent is fairly pathetic in the sense that so many Christians do the, oh, I'll be really brave this year, you know, I'm giving up chocolate and coffee. Ooh, you know, compared with what Alice and I are going through, even on this one day, it's light years apart in terms of the experience. Most Christians may fast and not have any food, but they largely take sips of water or juice. Mm. What about the timing of the fast itself? Because, again, that would be very different from the Christian sense, because, I mean, just going back to Ethiopia, some Ethiopians would stop fasting at 12 midday when Jesus was put on the cross to die, and some would stop at 3, which is the point at which he died. Where are the boundaries drawn for Ramadan? Well, generally, we start fasting from dawn until sundown, and that is the, the general rule. In the UK, British Muslims are fasting for about 19 hours together. But there are some differences of opinion that seem to be highlighted at the moment. Because the fast is so long, some people are calling for fasting for shorter hours, perhaps more like you have it in the Middle East. So, for example, in Mecca, where it's 15 hours rather than 19 hours. But I think the principle really is it's about, you know, whatever you can do, you just try to do that. If it's going to be too much of a hardship for you, then go for what's going to be easier for you. I'm so aware that it feels like an endurance test, a physical endurance test, and trying to elevate this to some sort of level of spirituality but I think there's a danger potentially it becomes like a macho thing about who can get through it best and who won't break. I think there might be a tendency to think because it's so severe and demanding that somehow there's a superiority complex. That's a sin of pride and hubris. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, that macho idea about, you know, I can get through this fast. I mean, my brother even mentioned uh, it separates the boys from the men. But it's meant to actually nurture humility 
it's the opposite of arrogance. You know, it should make us more humble, more down to earth and actually be grateful for what we have. How much are you doing it in an almost spiritually selfish way? How much is your spiritual future dependent on it? Because for Christians, I suppose it doesn't really matter whether you fast or not. You may get something out of it and you may become more spiritually agile and so on. But actually your salvation, in other words, your place in heaven is not going to be dependent on whether you fast or not. But for you, how much higher are the stakes? (laughs) Ramadan is a pillar of Islam and it is so hugely important for Muslims everywhere. We're told that uh, for those people who fast in Ramadan, the gateway to heaven is open for us. And also that God promises abundant reward for people who fast for his sake. So, yeah, I think people are striving for this. They're actually, they look forward to Ramadan. You know, it's such a special time because you really can draw closer to God. And actually, you do feel like you can score even more spiritual brownie points in this month because all your good deeds are multiplied. A lot of people are striving for that, but mainly they just want to please their creator. What have been the difficulties you've had personally occasionally with Ramadan? Have you felt tempted to, you know, sneak into a private space and take a swig of water from a bottle? I've never been tempted to break my fast. I've never wanted to skip a fast. I've been in places where I've been like the only one fasting. So it really is about your relationship with God. And, and I know that you know, God's watching me. I can't hide away in a corner and have a cup of tea or something because it's just too important to me. My relationship with God is just too vital to break the promise that I've made at the beginning of the day of fasting this day for you, God. I want to do this for your sake. What about sleep? Last night I was in bed at 10.30, got up, had my pre Ramadan meal, made my prayers, and then I was back in bed again by three o'clock and slept till seven. So I had a good bank of seven hours. But I think some people don't go to bed. Basically, it's a nightmare because if you've then got to go to work at seven, you might be going through a whole month cumulatively where you're only getting three or four hours a night. And that must be tougher than, than the actual lack of food and water sometimes for some people. Yeah, lots of Muslims say this, that the thing that really gets them in Ramadan is the sleep deprivation because you're up in the night doing extra night prayers and then you're up again to eat and then do the the dawn prayer. And so some people, they stay up until like 2.40 a.m. because they think there's no point sleeping for an hour or two. And then they get through that and then they go to work in the morning. So they are absolutely shattered at work and it does get to you. It really does. But... It's also the time where you want to make sacrifices in order to worship. So for me, I do sacrifice my sleep a little bit more during Ramadan because it's an amazing opportunity to actually get closer to your creator. For me, one month in the year, not a problem. I'm just going to have to power through it and then I can sleep for a month afterwards, after Eid, after I've had a massive feast. It's part of the package, not just Well, as if it wasn't enough, not just eating and drinking, but is part of the package actually how you behave or what you say or what you don't say or how you treat other people? Absolutely. Our moral behaviour has to be really kept in check. So you can't speak ill of anybody. You have to be good to everyone, kind to everyone. It's a time for introspection. If you're not helpful enough to your family and your friends and, you know, to your colleagues, you know, you really have to really think about your interactions with others. It's like Ramadan resolutions. I'm going to change my habits. I'm going to actually be a better person. Because I would almost think that you could update Ramadan and if we weren't allowed to if we had a fast from our phones or a fast from our email, or a fast from talking probably in my case would be harder than not eating. 
actually, I find I'm more conscious of what I'm saying in Ramadan. So I talk less, which is quite a relief to my friends. So you are more conscious, you're self-aware. Someone even said to me, why don't you try fasting from social media? And I was like, uh, no, nah, that's not in the guidebook. I'm just going to leave that one. But some people do. I was thinking today, coming up on the train, where in the Bible do we get, you know, a basis for this kind of experience? And the one that really came to me was the temptation of Jesus in the desert. Jesus is fasting in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. That's where we get our Lent from. But there's a specific temptation experience when he's hungry and the devil appears and says, well, you know, if you're the son of God, you see all those stones down there, you could just turn them into bread and eat them, couldn't you? And Jesus' response is to not fall into this trap of basically letting his own fallibility and appetite put himself at the service of the devil. But I don't think the Bible is replete with examples of the virtues of fasting and the virtues of abstinence. But one danger, I think, sometimes is that if you're just so aware of your headache, you're just so aware of your tummy pains, you're just so aware of your thirst all the time that you can't read, mm. uh, that you can't focus, I could see that for some people it would be a negative experience. So I think we have to be realistic and I think we have to not over-romanticise it. It's interesting what you said about fasting being part of the Christian tradition as well, because it is part of many traditions, Judaism as well, and also of Hinduism. So that notion of abstinence is an ancient custom it really does make you more self-aware and spiritually aware. But as you said, the flip side to it can be that it can make you a little bit cranky as well. I mean, I know a lot of Muslims who say, like, I haven't had my coffee, don't talk to me. And they actually become worse people in Ramadan rather than better people. It must be so much harder, though, if you're trying to do this in a mainstream culture where it's not recognised. If we were doing this today in Lebanon or you know, Algeria or Egypt... We wouldn't see anybody really eating and drinking on the streets. We'd all fit in. We'd all get strength and support from that. I've never experienced Ramadan away from the UK. And for me, I actually really feel the spirit of Ramadan. And I think that's because, you know, sometimes when you're a minority, you're strengthened more in your resolve. It makes you more proud of your faith and proud of my identity as well as a British Muslim woman. So, Mark, do you feel more spiritual at all? I'd love to sit here and nod vigorously and say I've been elevated to a whole new level of spiritual awareness. But I think this has got to be something that comes in time. I think just switching the tap on for a day and expecting instant spiritual enlightenment is probably an unrealistic expectation. But I have been aware of one thing, which is a sense of self-abandonment by saying, you know, if I'm going to get through this, and it's going to be difficult. I can't do it by myself. And as somebody who's probably regularly guilty of the sin of arrogance and over-independence, you know, basically when things don't go well, I get angry with God and when things go well in my life, I take the credit for it. That's my basic sort of take on existence. So I've slightly turned that on its head, I think, with this. And I'd say he, she, it, God, Allah, Yahweh, whatever, is with me today. Not in a dramatic revelatory, the clouds haven't parted, I have not heard voices from heaven, but I felt that I'm not doing this by myself. You know, I would agree with Mark that I don't think it's something that comes overnight. I'm not going to agree to do this, but I almost think you need to do the whole of Ramadan rather than just one day. I went and lit a candle for us all doing today. We need to create spaces in our lives 
And that is a wonderful thing about Islam, isn't it? That the space is created five times a day. And actually, a punctuation mark like a Ramadan fast can kickstart you into that regular devotion and into that regular space. And actually, so I'm quite envious of Ramadan, to be truthful, as I am quite envious of the call to prayer five times a day. And I don't know that I am more spiritual after a few hours, but I can just see something wonderful that's going on. We're almost coming to the end of the fast, so I've brought Mark and Alison to East London Mosque for their first ever iftar meal, the traditional breaking of the fast, where they'll have a chance to eat and mingle with the locals. Mark, Alison, well done for getting this far. You've not got long to go now. How are you faring? I can't believe we're only like 10 or 15 minutes away. If this was an Olympic race, we've gone through the bell, we're on the last lap, we've got 100 metres to go, I can see the finishing line, but I really want that food. I'm okay on the food front, but I'm really thirsty and I feel quite lightheaded. We're not expecting any medals, though. <laughs> we'll give you one, don't worry. Um, what is it like you know, being in a mosque surrounded with fellow fasters? It's nothing like this, really, in the Christian tradition. First of all, it's a Monday evening. I mean, what happens in church on a Monday evening, you know, uh, cleaning? <laughs> um, so that feels unusual. I feel quite honoured, really, because it's not every Christian who gets to experience this and come through the doors and be here on an evening like this. There's a real buzz, too, and there's lots of announcements of people, too, to get ready, and the food has been prepared, and there is a real sense of excitement, which is really very nice. Alison and we're about to break the fast so I'm going to recite the supplication for breaking it Allahumma inni lakasumtu wabiga amantu wa alayka tawakkaltu wa ala rizqika aftartu Oh God I fasted for you and I believe in you and I break my fast with your sustenance This is the proper interfaith moment oh non alcoholic no milk beer <laughs> With pure honey. We're here with Salman Farsi, who is the media officer for East London Mosque. Can't see that going down a treat in the pub so, where I live, to be honest. Really? But, uh... So we're breaking our fast with a bottle of beer in the East London Mosque, but it's zero percent, so it's okay. Alison, would you like some? I'll stick with the iron brew, actually. <laughs> All right. He's given us even more treats for our iftar meal, some nice Indian sweets, and he's got some carrot cake. With every single piece of this carrot cake that's going down into my mouth, I can feel my headache receding. <laughs> I'm the one who had the headache, remember? Yeah, yeah but, <laughs> but the rationalisation is if suddenly, opportunistically, my headache's worse than yours, I deserve more carrot cake. So... Mm. Congratulations, you did it. How are you feeling? Yeah, great. It's really nice. Really nice to drink. Don't mind about the food, but really good to have a drink. I didn't go for the water straight away I went for the dates because I really felt I wanted something sweet and they were absolutely delicious what I found really impressive was when we were waiting for the prayer it was a mixture of people just like chatting and catching up with one another and other people just receding into themselves and praying and it was a really delightful mixture of intensity and people just being sociable you don't often see that in a church. And Alison, did you have a similar experience in the women's area? 
Everybody was very keen to offer you food, and I know you were telling me it was because people got extra blessings if they offered you food and you'd been fasting too. There was a real sense of hospitality, but a real sense of excitement too. And actually when the women did come to prayer, the atmosphere changed, there was much less chatting, but it was still quite informal. Has this experience helped you understand what a Muslim goes through during Ramadan? Yeah, it's taught me one thing, that having seen it, particularly here at the Climax and the mosque, that if we were doing it again, it has to be done with a bigger team of people. I need the support of thinking that when I'm flagging a bit, that other people are around me and that we're striving and praying together. Even if you're an atheist, just as an observer of human behaviour, here tonight you have an absolutely exemplary example of what religion is. And Mark, has the experience made you more grateful? Something that was flagged up in the Pope's recent document encyclical on creation, which is that he reminded people of the importance of grace before meals. The Eucharistic prayer we have says, Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. We say that as a kind of ritualistic prayer, but at the very time when we're actually eating the food, we don't say it. It's not just the food itself, it's the people who prepare the food, the people who donate the food, the stories I've heard today of the people who donate huge sackfuls of rice in the local community. This all brings people closer together, but ultimately all those people and all their gifts and talents come from the one divine creator, source of all life. And if it wasn't for God, there wouldn't be any of that food on the plate. When we think of the situation where so many people don't have access to healthy drinking water today, we only suffer for one day. But certainly it's made me think about the importance and the value of water. Would you tackle Lent differently after having experienced the Ramadan fast? There's a real opportunity for a redefinition of Lent. Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights where there were no mobile phones and there were no internet cafes and there was certainly nobody tweeting him as far as I can remember from the Bible. What gets in our way of our relationship with God is the thing that needs to be tackled first. And I think it's noise. I think it's busyness. I think it's a defense mechanism because basically when human beings stop and are quiet, they begin to question themselves. And a lot of people do not like that questioning because they're terrified of the answers that might come up. So we fill in the space. We need a new Lent to take the fingers out of our ears. But that might also be accompanied by fasting as well. Yes, really about finding peace in a noisy place. What are your final thoughts that you've taken away from today, Alison? I think I'd quite like to do it again. In a way, maybe that makes sense for me because I'm not part of this community. There's lots to learn and lots to share about it. It's been a real privilege. You are part of the community now, Alison, <laughs> definitely after having fasted. And Mark, how about your final thoughts? It's not so much about myself, it's about how it's educated me, about how Ramadan is so different for Muslims in different parts of the world. I, I think the other thing is, I know that Muslims are still a sizable minority in the United Kingdom, but I think there should be more awareness from other people. You know, not eating and drinking right in front of people. Just that sensitivity. I think I'm as guilty as anybody else. Once I know it's on, I think when looking at people, I'm going to be really careful about my behaviour. That's what it's taught me. Mark, Alison, thank you. You've been incredible. It's not an easy task to fast, especially in the summer months where factors such as the very long hours of fasting and hot weather can play havoc with your willpower and spiritual well-being. 
So for Alison and Mark to last a whole day in Ramadan is a real achievement. I'm Ramona Ali, and you've been listening to Things Unseen, the programme for people who think there's more to life than the material world. This special Ramadan edition was brought to you by CTVC. And you can hear this programme again and find other editions of Things Unseen at www.thingsunseen.co.uk.